Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me and talking a couple of things. Number one, almost as a player, enter the transfer portal. A bit of a surprising player entering the transfer portal, at least one that that I didn't necessarily see coming and kind of the nature of the beast in college football anymore. I mean, this is this is just what's going to happen. The transfer portal is going to be a commonplace to get players in a commonplace you're going to see your players go to and it's not all good either but we'll talk about that more coming up also the regional uh it sounds like that Ole Miss is going to do something that might surprise you at least on Friday night with not throwing Doug Nikhazy we'll talk about that decision if that is in fact the decision it's been reported in a couple of places including Mike Bianco even said on our radio show on Monday that hey you know, it's not about winning game one. It's about winning the regional. And when he said that, I thought he's not throwing Doug Nikhazy in game one. That that was my initial thought. And it kind of sounds like that is coming to fruition. And then just an overall thought about SEMO, this regional and stuff like that all coming your way. First, I do want to remind you the podcast is brought to you by ABS of Mississippi. Advantage Business Systems. It's an office technology company. They are Based in Jackson, but they do service the entire state of Mississippi. So don't let the, the Jackson label fool you. They will cover you anywhere if you're on the coast. If you're all the way up in DeSoto County, it does not matter. ABS of M- of Mississippi uh, will service you. I, give me one second here. Um, my, my son's supposed to be napping right now, and he refuses. So I'm going to talk to him through the monitor. Hey, baby. Hey, James. Go to sleep, okay? Lay down. Lay down. And there he goes. That's really awkward. Sorry. I just, uh, (laughs) and I'm not going to edit this out either because um, authenticity, you know, this is what happens when I'm recording. I don't go back and edit stuff out. I try to do this live. And so that's uh, that's my live life. Uh, the, The little guy likes to bounce in his crib and, uh, and that works. It's amazing. Just talking to him through the little speaker. And uh, now he's laying down. It's a good kid. I don't know how that happened, but uh, he's a good kid. Anyway, Advantage Business Systems, Office Technology, service the entire state. Um, technology like copiers and printers, mail machines, shipping, document management software, voiceover, IP phone systems, IT projects, cloud storage, data security, stuff like that. Advantage Business Systems of Mississippi offers all of those and more. When you call ABS, by the way, you do get a live person every single time, and their technicians are located all across the state of Mississippi. If you want an office, uh, a complimentary office technology assessment, or just to find out more, call ABS, 601-362-9192, or visit absms.com, and don't forget to tell them that I sent you. Podcast is also Brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Uh, go by and see Greg and tell him that I sent you. I know uh, I actually talked to somebody recently that tried to tell Greg that uh, that I sent him there, and Greg wasn't there. But keep telling him, even if <laughs> even if Greg isn't there at the moment. Um, 
just, uh, I mean, a massive weekend in Oxford, of course. If you're going to be doing any kind of grilling at all, any kind, uh, get that started at LB's. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. They also have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. They are open seven days a week, though. So if you have an itch on Saturday, which, by the way, should be a beautiful day, 84, partly cloudy, and uh, no rain, at least in the forecast there for Friday and Saturday, and just a little bit of a chance on Sunday, uh, get your weekend started at LB's. So Jacquez Jones uh, entered the transfer portal. Matt Zenitz broke that news yesterday uh, that Jock Jones uh, told him that he was going to enter the portal, and Jones put out a statement on Twitter, you know, thanking Ole Miss and, and all that stuff, and he's just ready to move on uh, for the next chapter. And, uh, I mean, you know, I was surprised by this for a couple of reasons. One, he's a good player, and, and he was playing a lot. He was the team's leading tackler last year, although – um, being the leading tackler on that defense isn't exactly a selling point. It's an awful defense last year, but he still was the team's leading tackler and a capable SEC linebacker that, you know, you, that's just not a name that you expected to hit the portal. And I think this is the nature of the beast in college football now because I asked around, I tried to find out if there was like an underlying reason, if there was some kind of internal strife or whatever, if he was forced out and and nobody could really give me anything. I don't know if that's even really uh, available. Um, I just haven't seen that kind of information anywhere. It's possible. In fact, I mean, in, in my mind, I say in fact, in my mind, it is most likely why most guys enter the portal. The team recruited better players. Maybe he saw that his playing time was about to decrease and thinks that he can get more elsewhere. That seems like the most likely to to me because, for example, Chance Campbell is coming, the transfer from Maryland. If he's as, as good as, I mean, as I think he can be, then he will start. Uh, the staff is also high on a couple of younger guys that they think will be contributors more so than that of Jones. He was likely going to see less playing time on this defense. So maybe he simply saw the writing on the wall and, and wants to go elsewhere. I, I don't know that to be true. I, I wish I knew more. Uh, I just, that's all I can tell you is that that seems like it's the most likely answer is it's a situation where he probably was going to be playing less this year. And so he wants to go somewhere where he can, he can play more. Um, they'll be okay. Uh, truth be told uh, to spin this and say that it's not a, a loss at all. I think it's crazy. I don't know if anybody's doing that, but in case somebody is, it, this is a loss. He's a good football player. And he would have, at worst, been a quality depth piece on a defense that doesn't have very much quality depth, at least proven going into this season. He would have been a guy that played a good bit. He seems like a really good kid. He seemed like, publicly anyway, he really liked being at Ole Miss. So this is a loss. It's Losing your team's leading tackler, even though the defense was awful last year, it's still losing your team's leading tackler. It is a loss. But I do think they'll be okay there because, like I said before, 
it, it was starting to feel like he wasn't going to be a regular starter on that defense anymore. It feels like they have upgraded, at least on paper, talent-wise, at that position. So is it a loss? Yes, it is. Absolutely, it is. Is he a good player? Yeah, he's he's a good player. Is it the end of the world? Nah, it's not the end of the world. Might hurt a little bit, but I know they feel that they have upgraded talent-wise at that spot. And most importantly, I hope it works out for him. Uh, the, the number of stories that you've seen and heard about the transfer portal and particular players. I used an example on the radio yesterday about um, a guy that played at Tulane. And he was a third-team All-AAC player. So he was playing. But he felt like he wasn't getting enough touches. He was playing, but not enough to, to his liking. So he leaves Tulane and enters the transfer portal. And as of a couple weeks ago, he has just a couple of offers, both of which are from FCS schools. So unless something crazy happens, he is going to downgrade and go from Tulane, a good, solid AAC program, obviously playing Division I. He's going to have to downgrade and play at the FCS level. And you see stories like that all the time. There's a reason, possibly, you're not playing as much. Like Southern Miss, for example, had a bunch of kids hit the transfer portal. And they had coaching turnover. Maybe the guys don't like Will Hall. But in some cases, at least it sounded like it was a playing time thing. Well, I hope you don't expect to go D1. If you're not playing at Southern Miss, where do you think you're going to play at this level? You're you're likely going to have to downgrade. And you see it. It's different for everybody, of course. But like Alabama had a guy enter the transfer portal today. You got buried in the depth chart. How did you not expect that to happen? In this situation, I don't know what it is. I just hope that he has a place to go. Because you see all the time, all the time, these stories about players who, you know, maybe not playing enough and they they think that they're better and, and will go somewhere else and they hit the transfer portal and nobody wants them. I think Jacquez Jones is good enough to play somewhere. Maybe not at the SEC level somewhere else. Uh, may, maybe not. Um, it's possible for sure. He's in a little bit of a better situation than than other guys, I'm sure. But I just, I hope he has a place to go. Because there are so many stories about the transfer portal and kids not having a place to go. They made like an impulse decision or were getting really, really, really bad advice from someone. And they left. And they left without a home. So hopefully he has one. Because, he again, he seems like a really good dude, good football player. I, I would suspect it would be easier for him to find a landing spot than a lot of these kids that I referenced before. But y- you never know. I mean, it's it's June now. Spring practice is over. I mean, how many teams have spots? Hopefully there's there's one, but I just uh, I can't help but hope that he's got a home. Um, 
Bowman's will be okay. It's not good, but it's not as bad as some of the reaction I saw. Well, he's the leading tackler last year. Now he's in the portal. Yeah. Yeah. That defense was awful last year. There's a lot of guys that started on that defense last year that are not going to be starting on that defense this year for good reason. There's a reason Ole Miss got a transfer linebacker. They had to had to upgrade at that spot. You're going to see some new names, I think, on that defense this year, which is a good thing because they stunk last year. But it's a loss. It's a good football player, but not uh, not the end of the world. All right, let's talk baseball now. The, the regional coming up, obviously, in just two days from right now, uh, Ole Miss and SEMO, and that game's getting a lot of attention, mostly because Mike Bianco has a decision to make. He told us Monday on the radio show that, like I told you before, it's not about winning the first game. It's about winning the regional and doing what's best to win the regional. And I thought to myself, I even said it out loud after the after he joined us, that that tells me that he's considering pitching Derek Diamond. That tells me that I think he's going to pitch Derek Diamond. That's what I said. And it, it turns out that my, uh, my inkling – uh, has a little bit of truth behind it. Ben Garrett, uh, I saw, uh, say that it's leaning towards diamond pitching, and uh, a friend told me that Chase Parham, and if Chase Parham says something about Ole Miss baseball, go ahead and believe it. Um, he's, uh, I, I trust his information like that. Um, sounds like that's where this is headed. And here's the thing about that. I think it's the right decision. I could see both sides. I think I told you guys this on on Monday in that quick podcast, but I can see both sides of it. I do think this is the right decision. If, in fact, Ben is correct, if my buddy was right, and that's what Chase is putting out there, uh, I haven't seen that for myself. I'm just trusting somebody. But um, if that is, in fact, the decision that they have come to, if that's the conclusion that, that they have arrived at, if Mike Bianco does start, Derek Diamond, I think it's the right call. I think most of you think it's the right call. But what what cannot happen, what I won't do, and what cannot happen, though, is if it does not work, we can't do the hindsight he should have started in a KZ thing. This is what the vast majority of Ole Miss fans want. This is what the people want. I think this is the best approach. If it does not work, it doesn't mean the decision was bad, and it doesn't mean Bunton Bianco's at it again or whatever the hell people say. If you think this is the right decision today and it doesn't work, it's still the right decision. I think it's going to work personally. I think it's the right call. Uh, I think Derek Diamond, while he had his struggles this year, obviously looked very good against Vanderbilt. Simo is not going to present the kind of challenge that pitching on Sundays in the SEC presented to you. It's just not. Um, he should be pretty relaxed and confident, and the crowd should be behind him. Speaking of that, I talked about this on the live stream some this morning. I don't mean to get preachy, and it's going to sound like it. Please forgive me. I don't mean it that way, but I remember the crowd in 2018. I remember it. And what 
Ole Miss fans cannot do this year is have that same energy. And I've talked to a lot of people about this regional, of course, and you know, I've, I've talked to some guys that are that are scared of Semo and some guys that think that Nikhazy should start because Semo's really, really good and so, Southern Miss is just going to, they're going to dogpile in our field and I just know it. That kind of stuff, that mentality, that cannot translate into the stadium. It can't. I remember the crowd in 2018, and I remember how just flat-out negative the energy was in that ballpark. Every every pitch that didn't go Ole Miss's way, there was just this audible groan, and it just everybody just knew that they were screwed, basically. And I guess their their biases were confirmed when Ole Miss blew it, but I promise you that energy translates on the field. It does. The players feel that. They do. And if this weekend, if if TJ McCant strikes out with a runner on second or a runner on third to end an inning, you can't have the reactions that I heard in 2018. It, you, you can't have that. It, it's, it's kind of silly, and I guess you know it's not really my job to tell the fans how to act. And I, again, I, I'm sorry if I feel like I'm being preachy, but you're supposed to be the boost and the confident, the uplifting element in a game. Home field advantage is real, but the the home crowd has got to provide that advantage and not hang on every single pitch. You, you cannot do that because that's what I felt against Tennessee Tech. That cannot happen this weekend or else they will lose. Be loose, have fun, bring the energy, and if if a player strikes out in a key spot, bring the energy for Derek Diamond coming out in the next inning. That that's what you should do, because that crowd in eighteen, so it's almost like they willed their team into a loss. I, I know it's not the crowd's fault, but you, I think you guys get my point here. You have to you have to sound differently than you did then. I think you will. I know a lot of you people don't um, don't think your team's going to do anything but win, and you're going to bring that kind of energy, but there are some that won't. I promise you it impacts the dugout, that kind of energy. I promise it does. But that's just fan stuff. Talking actual baseball, uh, a lot of people are scared of this Dylan Dodd fella. From SEMO. He's uh he's a good pitcher and and he was the genesis of why people were so frustrated with old Mrs. Regionals because well the four seeds got a really good pitcher and Dylan Dodd. He's a prospect even. Some people think that he could pitch at the next level. He's a great pitcher. I've heard that so much. Ole Miss cannot afford to pitch Diamond because they've got a great pitcher they're up against. The reality is that's just simply not the case. The reality is Dylan Dodd, while good, quite good, in the Ohio Valley Conference, is not any better than Ole Miss has seen every weekend. Every SEC opponent Ole Miss has seen has got better than him. He is a good Sunday starter or an average Saturday starter in the SEC. And Ole Miss mashes lefties, by the way. 
lefties that throw lower 90s maybe with a decent changeup and a breaking pitch that sucks, apparently. Um, it's just a get-over pitch and not a swing-and-miss pitch. What about this kid is any different than anything that you haven't shelled this season? That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about with, with fan attitude. It's People see this and they're like, oh, we got we to pitch Nikhazy. Oh, we're going to lose now because they have a pitcher that's no better than anything you've seen all year long. He's good. They're going to have to show up and play. You have to be a little bit more focused than they would for Southern University, for example. But they didn't do anything that Ole Miss hadn't seen before. He didn't do anything. There, there's nothing ab- about what he will provide to this lineup that they haven't seen before, that they haven't hit and hit well before. It's a Sunday starter in the SEC from the left side, and somehow your offense just kills lefties. Look at Tim Elko's stats against lefties. They're going to be fine. Pitching diamond is the right call. Losing this game is inexcusable. Well, Simo had a good starter. Yeah, you know, not any, any better than than you've seen all year long. He's good. Better than what Samford is going to throw at Mississippi State. Not any better than anything you've seen basically every weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Although there's a, the, the voice of uh, Southeast Missouri State Athletics uh, had some thoughts on Twitter. He said this. Eric Sean is his name. He said, if UT Martin can beat Ole Miss in a midweek game, then certainly SEMO can beat them in a regional with all OVC Pitcher of the Year Dylan Dodd on the mound. Get your popcorn Friday at 7. Oh, Eric. I mean, it's quite possible. It is quite possible that Ole Miss's approach is is not good, and the moment is uh, is impactful on their approach, and they don't hit the ball, and they lose to Semo. That is, that is entirely a possible thing that can happen. But Eric. Um, comparing a Tuesday night in which Josh Mallett's started to Friday in a regional in front of 13,000 people and Derek Diamond on the mound, kind of stupid. <laughs> it, it's kind of stupid. Using transitive property in any sport, is kind of stupid. Using it in baseball is insanity. It's just insanity. But, hey, if you're not going to believe in yourself, uh, who's going to believe in you? Nobody, I suppose. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. 
It's um, it's cracking me up. Just go there, be loud, be positive, and relax and have fun. Derek Diamond needs you guys to be the positive reinforcement, if, in fact, he is the starter, which I believe that's going to be the case. I think it's the right call. I think there's no reason to be scared of SEMO, even with a decent arm on the mound. It's a team that you should beat on a Friday night in a regional 100 times out of 100. Should be anyway. We'll uh, we'll see if they're able to pull it off. So, thank you guys for tuning in. Always glad that you are with me. And uh, check out the live stream in the morning. I enjoy it. I, I know a lot of you have as well. So keep uh, keep tuning in. And if not, keep listening to this. I appreciate you guys very much. And I will talk to you again after the game on Friday night. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.